Hello and welcome to Splatter Chatter, where October never dies. I am one of your hosts, Ms. Melmore. I am Mr. Craigers. I'm the other host. That's him. I almost called myself Mr. Craigers when I went to do it. I don't know why. Oh my god, I was thinking, I was like anticipating hearing you say I'm Mr. Craigers. <laughs> you and I have always been like this. Like this. <laughs> um, yeah, anyway, this is episode 54 of Splatter Chatter. We are deep into the Halloween season now, and as such, we decided, well, Mr. Craigers came up with a great idea. Um, to do a series of harvest haunts, as it were, little themed films around sort of the harvest and farms and all that sort of spooky farm shit. (laughs) Feasting and, yeah, spookiness. Um, I don't think it's it's a genre. You had the, the, the original seed of the idea. Yeah, well, yeah, because I, so here's what, so here's what we're doing. <laughs> um, today we're talking about The Wicker Man, which you have probably gleaned from the title of this podcast episode. <laughs> but I watched The Wicker Man because I work really hard at work. Um, <laughs> and <laughs> we were watching The Wicker, I was watching The Wicker Man and I was talking to Mr. Crackers. I was like, what else out there is like, kind of like, cause I was like, ch- I was like, Wicker Man, Children of the Corn. What else is kind of like farm horror? Or harvest yeah. horror, and he was like naming some stuff, and I was like, "Oh, cool!" And then he was like, "We should just do a series of episodes, since you know it is harvest time, um, mm-hmm. around harvesty horror, folkloric, spooky shit." And I was like, "Let's do it." Um, so we're starting with Wicker Man, just because that is the most recent one that I watched, um, and then we're gonna do at some point Children of the Corn, um, the third one that we keep changing on ourselves. <laughs> Uh, probably Dark Secret of Harvest. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, we're we're hype about it. Tis the season, yeah. guys. Yeah, it's um yeah. As Miss Nell said, deep now into Halloween season. Hopefully, you guys have been enjoying your October. I know I have. Yeah. Um, it's been all great. kinds of spooky things have been going on. Um, I went to a scarecrow competition on Saturday. Oh, who won? I it's like a season long voting thing. Like you just oh. kind of walk around and drink, and then look at the look at them, and then write your vote. Is that at Peddler's Village? It is. Oh, I remember that from yeah when we were there. Yeah, so I got a um a moonshine mule, and then Ooh. I got myself a little red wine, and then I walked around and I judged some children's scarecrows. That's awesome. I mean, adults made them too, but like, but like yeah. mostly it was schools. Yeah. What did you vote for? Any of them? Um, there was so one of my favorites was one was Woody in the toy box. That's cute. Like the whole, th- I kind of wish I had taken a picture of it because the whole thing was it was Woody, but he was in his toy box and it had like all the trappings uh. on the toy box and the stickers and everything. That one was pretty good. Um, there was also a lot of Eagles Super Bowl ones. Uh, one mm-hmm. that was really good was kind of a diorama of a fan on Broad Street climbing a pole. <laughs> <laughs> That sounds involved. It was very involved, but it was very good. Um, there was significantly less Olafs this year, but of course there were some. There was a scary-looking Elsa. Not intentionally scary. Mm. I'll put it that way. Um, what else was there? There was some <laughs> well, freaky ones. Maybe that's because Frozen was uh, on the 31 Nights of Halloween the other day. Yeah, <laughs> And I was like, ah. Uh. Well, you know, it's the same exact cut of the film. It's just they put a little pumpkin in the background of every scene. Of everything. Yeah. Like, oh, I also look, a pumpkin. Um, 
Not even a jack-o'-lantern, just it's a pumpkin. It's just a pumpkin. And it's, like, not even a fully ripe pumpkin. It's, like, still on the vine. Still green, little yellow. Um, but there was actually some that were legitimately scary. I was surprised. Because normally it's a thing that they do, like, the kids in the area do. It. Like, anyone can do it. But it's usually schools do it. Like, classrooms will put together a scarecrow and, and do it. But there were some that were legitimately, like, um, it reminded me of uh, American Dad. Uh, Bucko's House of... Oh, with yeah. yeah like like his creepy shit um some of them were pretty freaky but no it was good it was fun it was very very fall i was in flannel of course i was um but yeah spooky happenings spooky happenings are abounding yeah and um all kinds of awesome things to watch we talked a lot about what's out there on the last episode um Apostle dropped on Netflix. I did see that earlier today. Uh, I heard from you that Malevolent is kind of a dud. Malevolent is kind of a dud. Um, I have a review up for the 31 by 31 challenge. It was very not not good. Yeah. That's unfortunate. um, If you guys want to know more, you can go check that out. Basically, I'm trying to save you the the streaming time. I'm going to save you. Check um, out. <laughs> by all accounts, Apostle is great. Yeah. Hopefully, uh, I'll have watched it by by the time, time this episode is I'm up. telling you, it's possibly great. Um, yeah. I will say, Haunting of Hill House is amazing. Haunting of Hill House. That's yeah. all I'm going to say about it because I want everyone to go into it completely. Don't look up anything because once you watch it, you realize there's a reason they didn't tell you shit about what was going on in this show. Nice. Um, it's really fucking good, guys. <laughs> it's really good. That's all. I'm. I'm very happy. I mean, that's good, right? It was all the like early reviews were saying it was like really well done, really really strong, and now it seems like yeah, it wasn't that bullshit. that hype is justified. Yeah, and as somebody who loves the book, as you know, because I imagine a lot of you listened to our last one, we are big fans of Shirley Jackson. I can say that like my trepidation with their kind of like their angle to this story and their setting and all this stuff like went away very quickly because I was so into what they were doing. Um, It's, it's great guys. That's all I'm going to say. And I can't wait for Mr. Craigers to watch at night and text me when he goes, (gasps) I'm so excited. I'm probably going to, I want to start tonight, but then I'm worried if it's so good, I'm going to be like staying up all night binge watching. The first episode, even two days. I will say this. The first episode, we don't know what's going to happen to me. <laughs> we might not see him for three weeks. He's going to yeah. fall into a portal. I will say the first episode lends itself to like kind of a single sitting, but if you watch the second episode, then you're going to want to keep going. Okay. So if you're going to, so if you do don't, first- yeah. So for you and anyone else who doesn't really have ton of time to binge, watch the first episode, get your feet wet, and okay. then when you have more time, start watching the next couple because okay. by, by the end of the second one, you're going to want to keep going. Keep powering through yeah cool okay but yeah um good stuff what else what else oh i um i'm reading this book right now i don't think i was reading it i know i wasn't reading it when we recorded last um i'm almost done with it it's called baby teeth oh people have been talking about that being freaky yeah one of them but also people on reddit it's pretty freaky it's a um a horror novel by a a new author i can't remember her name right now Sorry. She's from Pittsburgh, though. Oh, good. Um, and this, and the, the novel is set in Pittsburgh as well. And so every time she, like, name drops something, I'm like, I know where that is. <laughs> the characters live in Shadyside. Oh, um, I know where that is. <laughs> yeah. But it's basically, like, the omen. 
um, how did how is it described? Meets Gone Girl. Meets, what the fuck? Yeah, yeah. Um, so it's like a, it's an evil child book, um, with kind of a little twist to it. It's good. It's fun. It's very creepy. I'm into it. Oh, you know what I saw today at um, a bookstore in Philly? I went to Shakespeare and Company that just opened um, like last month in Philly. Um, it's this great tiny little bookstore. I say tiny just because like it's all cramped in there. Yeah. But uh, it's this nice bookstore. It's the first one that's been opened outside of New York and they have an affiliate store in Paris. But it's, it's claim to fame is that you can print anything you want. Like if you can't find it there, they allow oh. you to print it. Because I almost bought their printed version of Hellbound Heart. <laughs> nice. And the only reason I didn't is because I was like, is it, are these just a take? Like, <laughs> like, like, I didn't know if they, were, for anybody? if they were there to be like, oh, look at what you can do. Or right. to be like, oh, can I buy this now? Like, like, uh, like, like free samples at the food court. Yeah, <laughs> like I thought it was just them showing because they had like a bunch of things up there. And like I saw Hellbound Heart and I was like, oh, that would be cool. But there was no price on it because it was, you know, printed there. Yeah. So I was like, oh, and I was That's like, well, wild. I'm not gonna pay that. to do that. So I I ended up getting an American Psycho instead. But yeah, yeah, like they're really cool. They've got a lot of stuff there. But I I went there and I saw this book I had not seen before called um, oh, what was it? I don't want to get it wrong. It is called. It's called something, kids. I want to say it's called Screams in the Night. Screams in the Night. It's a YA <laughs> book. It's a YA book. Um, I just I just requested it at the library. Actually, I didn't end up buying it um, that day. That day being today, <laughs> because uh, I uh, several hours ago. Because it sounded really good, but I didn't know if it was a buying good book or it was like a, you know, I just really wanted to read it. Yeah, um, that's always such a tough call. A blind buy, you know. Yeah. So um, it was it. I picked it up because it was, they had a little like Halloween section. It's called Scream All Night is what it's called. Scream All Night. Scream All Night. It's a YA book about this kid whose dad is like a horror filmmaker. And like his dad, like, I don't, I, I can't remember if it said that he died or something, but he and his brother have to go to like a, um, an old abandoned house to do a, a some kind of ceremony or something like it sounded nuts and like i wrote it a little bit yeah this sounds super familiar yeah, let me see if i can find is it by Derek milne oh god sorry there's a pop-up barnes and noble um um it is by yes it is ah okay yes i had this on my want to read yeah goodreads yeah uh, no it, it it sounded really like, fun. So familiar yeah no it sounded really really fun um, nice. it is, um, yeah, basically it's, it's like, it's like Dario Hayward knows one thing. He's never going back to Moldavia Studios, the iconic castle that served as the set studio and home to the cast and crew of dozens of cult classic B-horror movies, um, which is from like, <sighs> father, like, I guess, um, was yeah. like the filmmaker of these Moldavia studio stories. And his brother like convinces him to go out as a tribute to their dad, um, and shit gets bad. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it looked really fun and I ended up putting it on hold at the library um, and then bought American Psycho instead. <laughs> that does look really fun. I'm gonna read yeah, that so too. I'm excited about it. Like, it sounds like it'd be like having Roger Corman as your dad. Right? Or it's like a kid version of Nightville. <laughs> yeah. It's like the teen version. Book. Yeah, I love Nightville. Nightville is like one of those things where it's so good, but it doesn't make me angry that it's good. Like, 
it just makes me yeah it's just it just makes me excited like normally when things are that good i get angry that they're that good but this just made me happy i'm just so happy that it exists and that i got to experience it that i was there and you were there and we were all there (laughs) everyone was there and we're all here we're here now we're here together it's a wonderful time it's october it's uh well the the day that you're listening to this is friday is the 19th is halloween the new movie. Yes. The oh my God. I'm so, I was like, you're wrong, but that's okay. Miss <laughs> <laughs> Mel gave me this face and I was like, oh, the movie, not the holiday. No, let's, let's circle back. Um, no, I'm jazzed about it. Um, yes. Really excited. Also tonight, our tonight, not your tonight, um, Charmed is starting tonight. I have it on DVR. Oh, yes, that's right. I, I'm DVRing it. We'll see how it goes. Yeah. I'm interested. Sabrina will be next, your next week, and our next week, I guess, too. Um, yeah. Next weekend. It drops on Netflix, so. Yeah, so much content, you guys. Um, let us know what you're watching and what we should be watching. Yeah. Yeah, um, we're, we're, I'm, I'm, I'm into it. I told Mr. Craigers I had one of those dreams where you miss a holiday. Normally, I get them at Christmas. Like, you get them around, like, December, like, 10th. And you yeah. dream that Christmas is over, and you're like, "Fuck, I missed it! Like this sucks." I've been like, cheated. It's over. Like this is terrible. And I always ever get them at Christmas. I actually had one for Halloweening for the first time the other day. I dreamt that it was like November first, and I was like, "What the fuck? Like what happened? Like how did I miss this?" It's just such a sad thought. It's such a strange dream, but other people, like everyone, like other people have them. Like it's weird because I like for the longest time was like, oh, it's just a weird thing I do, and everyone's like, oh no, like that happens to me too. Like, and I was yeah. like, what do I have to look but forward I've to? But I've also only ever had a, a Christmas version. Yeah, I only ever get the Christmas version of it. I don't know why this year it was like we're gonna okay, Halloween is also gonna be the uh, the thing we make you miss in your dreams. <laughs> We've shifted. Yeah. No, but I was very excited to wake up and realize I had more time. Yeah. You're like, okay. I didn't miss it. The spooks are still happening. The spooks are still happening. Ooh, pumpkin spice pancakes with pumpkin spice candy, bacon, pumpkin whipped cream, and caramel sauce. I had pumpkin spice pancakes this morning. This is on uh, Instagram. At IHOP. I went to Panera and almost got one of those dinky pumpkin cookies, but I didn't. But I did get the autumn squash soup. Oh, nice. Yeah. That's a good one. That is a, such a good one. Everything at Panera. Even though, like, you know, like, I occasionally have a little bit of a reaction to pumpkin seeds, but it's worth it. And you know what's super worth it is Mr. Craigers' mom's pumpkin seeds. <laughs> yeah. Now, I'm not going to see her before Halloween to get some. Maybe I'll have her, like, send me a care package to my new care place. <laughs> I need these, Mom. I need these. I need these. Yeah. Yeah, it's not, it's not, it's not pumpkin, it's not pumpkin, wait a minute. It's not Halloween without the pumpkin seeds. I, those words were coming out in the wrong order, but you got it. It's just not. It's just not. Mm. But yeah, so we're, we're in the thick of it, kids. We are in the thick of it, and being in the thick of it, I think it's time to talk about the wicker of it. The, the wicker of it. The wicker of it, as you might say. (laughs) As you might say in the Highlands. (laughs) I was about to say the highlights. Um, if you're ready, are you ready, Mr. I'm ready. We, okay. we, yeah. So, yes, the subject of tonight's episode is 1973's The Wicker Man, yes. uh, directed by Robin Hardy, starring Edward Woodward, Britt Eklund, uh, Dan Salento, Agrid Pitt, and the legend himself, 
Sir Christopher Lee. Yes. Um, the uh, film concerns the story of a um, Scottish police sergeant who is summoned to the island of Summer Isle um, to search for a missing girl. And upon arriving there, he discovers that the island is not quite what it seems. So first of all, <laughs> my issue with the logistics of this <laughs> is that, you know, they send one lowly police detective up here to deal with this, a place way out of his jurisdiction. Like, they don't have a local police force or somewhere closer that he doesn't have to take a fucking plane. I think he is the local police force. Like, that's it's something a, that I thought about. And, like, as we work through the plot of this movie, I'll bring up other, like, logistical... Like, it's things that it's like, I don't even care because this movie is so good. But it's like, I have some questions. Yeah, well, and what's interesting I, is that, like, some of the questions, I think the answers exist out there. Um... Because a lot of this film was cut, mm -hmm. and there's so many different versions of it, and not all of them make sense. Yeah. So it's kind of like um, uh, Thief, Thief and the Cobbler. Everyone's yeah. always seen a different cut of that movie, <laughs> and it, everyone's experience is. And you're just like, what like are you talking about? The different. musical. My version wasn't a musical. <laughs> yeah. What? What? Excuse me. Speaking of musicals, this. Yeah. Craig and I came up with, we're going to make a Wicker Man musical, so don't steal our idea. And also, we're going to, I guess, find the rights to this movie in the process of doing that. <laughs> you need to go talk to uh, Robin right. Hardy yeah. or uh, British Lion Films, I guess, yeah. the studio. Which, see. does that even exist anymore? Um, that's an it excellent It has changed question. names. That's probably definitely likely. It is now British Lion Holdings. Oh, okay. They've expanded. But we know who to go to. Whenever it's time. When it's time for our musical. Music out this. So, yeah. Let's start talking about and dive into The Wicker Man. Um, okay. So, <laughs> the Wicker Man has been called at various different points... The ultimate cult film, the greatest British movie of all time, and the Citizen Kane of horror movies. Yeah. So it's quite a lot of praise um, for a movie that, interestingly, completely bombed when it was released. <laughs> In 1973. I feel like that's always how it happens, though. Like, you have things now that are <laughs> beloved, and you go and look at their Wikipedia page, and you go to reception, and it says, upon initial release. <laughs> Everybody hated this. Everyone thought it was fucking terrible. Everyone was like, what the fuck is this shit? <laughs> um, but I think, in, at least in the case of The Wicker Man, the part of the reason that it wasn't well received is because... Uh, of all the different cuts that were made yeah. to, to the film. So, like, when it was finished, it was sent to um, the the board, I, whatever the British the equivalent. people who do the FCC stuff in Britain. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> who, like, have to, like, give you approval or no studio would release the movie. And they were like, no. So. <laughs> no. No. <laughs> 
a bunch of it had to cut, be cut and it didn't make a lot of sense. So it wasn't well received. Then they sent it over to America, um, to Roger Corman actually. And, um, the Americans ended up cutting out like 40 minutes from the movie and their cut and made no sense. And so it wasn't received well in America either. And then it just kind of like completely bombed. And for the longest time, uh, nobody had an original copy of the movie, um, except for Roger Corman. So when people were like, oh, we want to like release like the actual version of the film, but we can't. And it's really sad. He was like, I have it. (laughs) (laughs) And so. Oh, no. Yeah. And so he saved the day. Um, good shit. Yeah. So, and it's got, um, I have it. I have it. Hopefully your VCR doesn't eat it. <laughs> yeah. And if, well, and then apparently according to, this is according to Christopher Lee, there's even more footage that like Hardy chose not to put in his finished ver- in his version of the movie there's even more stuff that they filmed that was like apparently even wilder and crazier. And all of that stuff is um, buried under a highway <laughs> somewhere okay. in England. I'll take that at face value. This is, this is according to Christopher Hurley. He, he maintained this like until his death. Until he, this, his last words were <laughs> under a highway. <laughs> it lies with him, of course, buried in the earth. <laughs> that was good. That was quick. You were quick with that. So, so yes. Um, yeah, and Christopher Lee, just since we're touching on him, and I'm sure we'll talk about him more and more as we go on. Um, this was this was the film that he did in order to escape the, um, but basically in order to escape being Dracula. Um, which is same <laughs> same because he was the um hammer studios go-to for dracula throughout the 60s and you know in horror of dracula and dracula's daughter and all of those long line of hammer dracula films were all starring christopher lee as the mythic vampire himself and this was going to take him out of that sort of reputation and give him something to do that was a bit more serious, but still in the world of horror. Um, and throughout his entire career, he did like something close to 300 film projects, something like that. He said this was his, um, the role that he's most proud of. Oh, At Summer Isle, yeah, in The Wicker Man. Even though he was literally Saruman. How about when he has that wig on at the end? Yeah. And he's like, he looks like a, like a, like Saruman as a teenager. Yeah, he's got, doesn't he have like face paint or something on? Or is it just the wig that makes him look like gaunty? The wig makes him look gaunty. I mean, he might have a little bit of makeup. He might have put a little bit of something on, but yeah. But not like, not like proper drag. He was definitely. busted. (laughs) He, uh, he definitely was like, um, Saruman light. Yeah, he was Saruman. He was Saruman when he was still in the Undying Lands before um, the wizards were sent to Middle Earth. <laughs> yeah, he began to age. <laughs> this is what Saruman was doing in Middle Earth before him. Yeah, he's looking busted in that wig at the end. Yeah, it's not a good look. 
it's not a good look for him. But, you know, I, maybe that's not the point. <laughs> maybe it's not the point. I don't know. What is the point? I also don't know. The wig is not really explained. The wig is just... Maybe it was yeah. explained in another cut of the film. Yeah. He's, he's the, um, the man-woman. What do they call it? The temptress. The temptress. Yeah, he's supposed to be the, the temptress. The temptress. The temptress. Yeah. He's looking at that book. <laughs> yeah. So it's an interesting movie, right? It's it's a horror movie, but it's also a mystery. It's a fantasy. Um, there's some black comedy, some satire. Uh, it's, it's erotic. <laughs> it's a musical. Yeah. Which hence our desire to... To make that a full fruition. To translate it. I feel like... Would it be a musical or would it be like a play with music? It's definitely a play with music. Like this, what this is now is a play with music for sure. Yeah. Um, but, you know, who knows? We could totally give um, Sergeant Howie a ballad. Yeah. <laughs> the, the ballad of Sergeant Howie. The ballad of Sergeant Howie. Um, apparently while they were filming, he like fucked with the cast a little bit and told them that they decided to make it a musical. Like, halfway through filming? <laughs> like, just to see what would happen with their performances, I guess? Um, I mean, it, it would be easy to... That joke would be easy to buy into, I imagine, on set. Yeah, I mean, because there's all these... Actual musical Yeah, numbers. there's all these places where you say, like, okay, and here's where the music's gonna go. <laughs> and they're singing in the tavern, and, the you know, the, the girls out in the field, and... And uh, what's her face in the... Willow. We need to discuss when we get to her the whole voice situation. Oh, yeah. Because um, with, like, the dubbing. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Britt Eklund was dubbed not only for her singing, but for her speaking. (laughs) (laughs) Which is so sad if you're Britt Eklund. I know. I feel bad for her. Oh, she... Well, then, then there's the whole... Well, we'll get there. We'll get there. So we're gonna get there. Okay, let's 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 dive in. Yes, walk us, take us. Let's do it, Miss Mel. Will you um <clears throat> get so, things rolling? Yes. So it opens with a luscious, beautiful, um, sort of series of shots yeah. from an aeroplane, from the good old aeroplanes. Um, uh, and there's this great song playing. This like typical sounding sort of Scottish folkloric song is this guy is flying in on one of those like airplanes that lands on the water. They probably have a name. Bi- is that a biplane? Biplane? Maybe. I don't know. Point is, the, the, maybe it wasn't supposed to. Whatever it is, it's landing on the water. Whether it was supposed to or not, the plane lands on water. Down it goes. Um, because um, our dude, um, Sergeant Howie, a Scottish policeman, um, is heading up to the like Hebrides Islands, um, specifically Summer Isle, because a young woman has gone missing. And does it ever explain who tipped him off? I guess it's like you, it doesn't matter based on what happens at the end. Like yeah, so in the in the cut that most people see, he mentions that he received an anonymous letter. Mm-hmm. In the extended cut, which actually opens with him at church. And, bef- and and then there's like a scene where he goes to the police station before mm-hmm. he flies to the island. We actually see him get the anonymous letter, mm-hmm. um, and then he has some 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 banter in the locker room with some of the other sergeants. They make a crack about him being a virgin, 
Um, which she and, is. <laughs> yeah, and which she is. Um, and so it's it's interesting to have that opening because we get right away that he's a very religious person, but I also think it it provides a bit too much given how things end. But anyway, yeah, yeah. Anyway, so, so he receives an anonymous letter that uh, this young girl, Rowan Morrison has disappeared. Yeah, and I guess by the end of it, it really doesn't matter because you can surmise kind of what happened with that. Yeah. But this Rowan Morrison girl, um, like, pieced out. Um, and so he shows up and, like, already it's an issue because nobody even wants to give him a boat to get from the plane <gasps> oh <my God>. <laughs> to <laughs> shore. Send out the dinghy. What? Sorry, sir, you need permission. I am the police. Send out the dinghy. <laughs> There's this whole five minute exchange between him and like some dude about like getting from the plane to the shore. Like it's like a hundred yards max. <laughs> and they refuse to send him a boat. Eventually he gets his boat. And he gets back. I love that whole back and forth. Yeah, it's adorable. And you're like, okay, that's this is the kind of movie it's gonna be. Um and it's important to note about Sergeant Howie that he, and this comes this comes in pieces throughout the movie, but he is like a very devout Christian man. Yeah. To the point where he is actually a virgin. Like he he chooses to not um like he's like, I'm saving myself for marriage and stuff. Like he, you know, he doesn't see any place for that outside the marriage bed. So that's that's a thing you start to pick up as you go on. It's not like Right. It's not like he gets to shore and is like, excuse me, sir, I'm a devout Christian. But like right. it, it comes, it comes, you, you start to pick it up throughout Can the Can I story. show you my Bible? <laughs> Here it is. Here it is. It's starting oh, to turn into Sean Connery. Just, they're all becoming Sean Connery. Everyone becomes Sean Connery by the end of this movie. Yes. But anyway, so he gets there and um, he starts, you know, whipping out his, you know, his picture. I was like, I've you seen this girl. And he goes around for a bit and starts asking people and everyone's like, I don't know who the fuck that is. Um... They're being very cagey and not very helpful. Um, and then he goes to the inn. Mr. Gregers, give us Green. the give us the intro and just set the scene of the inn. Yes, of course. So Sergeant Howie, um, he's he's poking around. He's talking to the harbor master. You know, like Mr. Who Mouse would said. not send him a boat? Yeah, who would not send him a boat? The harbor master who wasn't doing his job, <laughs> um, but kind of was because he, the. The harbor is owned by Lord Summer Isle, and Lord Summer Isle has to give permission, and he wasn't there. But <laughs> he was gardening. Yeah, I assume. And so, uh, Sergeant Howie uh, goes to um, the Green Man Inn, the the you know the local hotspot, right, for the island, for the the town, the village, what have you. Um, and that is run by Mr. McGregor. Uh, I can't. I don't know if we ever know his first name actually. No. Um, and uh, his daughter, Willow. <clears throat> and so the whole town is at the Green... Well, not the whole town, but uh, many people are at the, the Green Man Inn. And they're singing some some Scottish... Uh, some crazy, lame Scottish tunes. <laughs> yeah, they're singing the song, The Landlord's Daughter. <laughs> and and she's, comes, she's in the room to be a pal. Out comes Willow, the landlord's daughter, and it's a very sort of sensual dance and it's about a song about you know touching her on the thigh and she's the she's the one that all the boys go to and she'll make you a man and sergeant howie is just 
incredibly taken aback. Taken aback by this show. This, this this performative Scottish thing. Yes, it is just like, oh my goodness. And, you know, he's trying to get everybody's attention and he asks everybody if they've if they've seen Rowan Morrison and everybody's like, nope, no idea who that is. <laughs> They're like, I don't know. Do you mean know. Rowan O'Gregor, oh, oh, Rowan McCauley or Rowan <laughs> yeah. McDonald? <laughs> McDonald Sherbeter? And so nobody helps him out really and they just kind of go back to singing. Uh, some more Scottish cities. And it's, it's amazing because they're, well, I don't know if they all are. I think they are all like real 16th, 16th century folk songs. Um, I've heard that they are, but I also don't know how true that is. If they're not, they sound it. Yeah, they certainly, the, the opening like, song, like there's certain ones that I would believe are like the opening song from the beginning, like sort of pan shots, definitely yeah, it I feels think like that it was, is. Yeah. I believe that like a couple of the tavern songs are. Um, yeah, I don't know. I would one hundred percent believe that. I just don't know, you know, for sure, for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, yeah, I think they are. And so Sergeant Howie is just left to continue his investigation, not getting too much help. So he goes to um, the uh, Morrison um, shop owned by uh, Rowan's mother, Mrs. Morrison. And <laughs> Mrs. she doesn't even Mrs. acknowledge the existence of her daughter. Um, and he's like, why is everybody like, why are you like this? Yeah. He <laughs> suspects that this isn't possible. He's, you know, his detective um, yes. antenna is up. He's been summoned <laughs> to this island. He doesn't know by who. And no one seems to know who the missing girl is. Oh, he has a picture of her because a picture was sent in the letter. And no one recognizes Yeah, yeah, him. he keeps showing the picture and everyone's like, we don't know this chick. Yeah, and he can't find Rowan. Um, oh, sidebar, by the way. The Rowan tree in, in Celtic mythology mm-hmm. is regarded as a portal to the underworld. Same. Which is fun for facts and stuff or whatever. You'd think oh. I know more about this, but my family was more interested in going to Highland Games than they were about, like... The cool shit. They were like, watch this guy throw a caber. Yeah, let's do this instead. And just know that he doesn't have underwear on under that kilt. Gosh. Just take that knowledge in and do what you need to do with yeah. it. Yeah. My uncle has a kilt. That's awesome. That's all I'm going to say you about that. kilts in the world. I am a fan of the kilt. I and there need to be more kilts in horror movies. No, I think everyone should be wearing a kilt. I think it's a great piece of fashion. Awesome. Let's just remake classic horror movies with everybody wearing kilts. Even if it takes place in, like, Russia, you should be wearing a kilt. Yeah, like The Thing, but with kilts. But with kilts. Or The Fog, and they're all wearing kilts. Yeah, but with kilts. Yeah. Yeah. And The Fog actually has a kilt, too. The, like, creatures that come out of The Fog also have kilts. Yeah, yeah, they have kilts. They have kilts. They yeah. have kilts. Mm-hmm. And in The Descent... The monsters have kilts. The monsters have kilts. Those weird albino monsters have kilts. Yeah, they have kilts. All right, good. This is our brand. This is our brand is kilts. It's horror, but with kilts. But with kilts. (laughs) We were inspired by The Wicker Man. Anyway. (laughs) That's the one movie we don't remake. No, that one's fine. We just Photoshop (laughs) some kilts into our cut. Yeah, it's an And you just see a floating stagnant kilt. Like, it's not even well photoshopped. It's just this <laughs> floating kilt on people, like, where it should be on somebody's body. It's like the pumpkin in the background. I'm frozen, I assume. Yeah. 
Anyway. <laughs> Good old so, kill. Yeah. So Sergeant Howard begins to suspect that some sort of deep conspiracy is going on on the island. And he's not wrong. <laughs> As we it's will funny because I, you're right. He's not wrong, but it's like... I also don't really sympathize with you super a lot because you're kind of an abrasive, ma- judgmental man. <laughs> he's a huge jerk. Yeah. He's a huge jerk throughout. So he's not getting any answers. Um... When he's back at the Green Man Inn for the night, because he realizes he has to stay because he's not getting anywhere, he notices a series of photos on the wall celebrating the annual Harvest Festival. And each photo features a young girl who has been crowned uh, the May Queen that uh, you know previous spring. Um, but the photograph from the most recent celebration is missing. Uh, Mr. McGregor tells him that it broke. And... We see Sergeant Howie kind of clock this for later, and he has a suspicion that Rowan was the previous May Queen. Now, then it's at this point that uh, Willow McGregor uh, once again reemerges on the scene uh, when Sergeant Howie is in, in his room at the inn. He's retired for the evening, and Willow attempts to seduce him. Through I, the wall. <laughs> I want to embody her seduction attempts i think that if we all like instead of going to the club and like buying each other drinks and like talking over apps and flirting we should just really embrace um just the energy of what she does (laughs) yes because what is it exactly what how does she try to seduce him miss mel so it starts out with like a little bit of knocking Like, she's knocking on the wall, and it gets kind of rhythmic, and he, like, goes over to be kind of curmudgeon about it, I guess, and tell her to, like, knock it off. But he's, like, kind of enthralled as it gets, like, a little more rhythmic. And then it turns into a song. (laughs) And she's... Who who is there? (laughs) That's the song. (laughs) Do you not already feel just pulled in by this? Right? I'm essentially doing exactly the same uh, performance that whoever dubbed Britt Eklund did. <laughs> yeah, that's another thing we're going to talk about when this is over, is the dubbing. But, um, so she starts singing this song, and it turns into a full song, and she's losing pieces of her clothing, even though he can't see her. <laughs> He's on the other side of a wall. But she's like taking off clothing and she's waltzing around the room. And at one point she does this crazy dance up against the wall. Like <laughs> where like I guess he would be on the other side of the wall. And she's just like going at it at the wall singing her little harvest song. And he's just there listening. And at the end of all of it like he just he's like go to bed. And like goes away. But it's like. The greatest scene, I think, in a film. It is the greatest scene. It's so good. If somebody said to me, hey, do you want to watch the like dancing in scene uh, from Wicker Man? I'd be like, yeah, I'm going to stop what I'm doing and spend four minutes and watch that. You would would suggest watching it twice. Yes. (laughs) In every possible language it exists in, and like, and then in HD. Yes. Um, Mm. Because it's incredible. It's so good. I love that scene. Oh, it's so good. But while we're here, tell us about Brit Brit Eklund's voice. Yeah. So, um, Brit Eklund uh, w- 
was uh, playing Willow, play, er, played, plays Willow. Um, she's a, a Swedish actress and she's a singer. And she was dubbed for um, the Wicker Man, not only for her singing voice in this scene, but also for her speaking voice. Um, her accent was regarded as just a bit too heavy. Her English was 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 not going to be enough. But they wanted her her face and her body because at this point in the seventies, Britt Eklund was the go-to hot girl. Yeah, she's uh, right. Yeah, she was yeah. a Bond girl, wasn't she? Yes, she's about, there's actually two Bond girls in this movie. Ingrid Pitt was a Bond girl. I don't think she was a Bond girl by the time she was in this, but she goes on to become no, a Bond No, yeah, girl. I think she became one later. Um, um, she's yes. Swedish. I couldn't remember if yeah, she was Swedish, Swedish or Danish. She's Swedish. Yeah. And um, now what also is interesting in terms of being substituted and in terms of this scene is that Britt Eklund was pregnant during the filming of this movie. Same. <laughs> Yes, she was pregnant, and so she had an agreement with uh, production that she would only be filmed tits up. I also want to only ever be filmed tits up. Not because I'm pregnant, just because I like the no, idea just because. of that. That's, that's my agreement at tits, work as tits well. Tits and above. At the library. Tits up. And so they were like, okay. But they also really wanted the scene of a completely naked willow ewing around the room. So they brought in a body dump. Ewing around the room. <laughs> That's like the chorus. Yeah. Something. Stroke of a feather. Yeah, and she says something. She's like, I will. Like, I don't. It's, the whole thing is incredible. It is incredible. If you watch nothing else of this movie, watch that scene. Yeah. But most of the dance, especially like, well, all of it really, when you can't see her face, was done by a body double. And according to Britt Eklund, she did not, she didn't know this. She didn't know they brought in a double until she saw the movie. And she's like, that's not my ass. She literally said, that's not my ass. <laughs> my ass is not that fat. <laughs> yes, not that she thick. Did. She did. And she did not want to get a reputation for having a fat ass. <laughs> so her boyfriend at the time, who was Rod Stewart, tried to stop the movie from being released. Rod Stewart Britain coming in from, from having a fat ass reputation. <laughs> what a ride or die guy. He's this is incredible. Yeah. So oh, so so there we go. That's just wow. <laughs> another little detail there. So um yes. But as Ms. Mel said, Sergeant Howie does not um, give up his virginity so easily. <laughs> Makes it a challenge. <laughs> a challenge. Um, he's tempted. He's definitely like. Which yeah, he interesting... stays for her whole song. He like lets her do her thing. Yeah, and like watching that scene, you like you can tell he's like he wants it to happen. But yeah. His uh his morals went out in the end. So the next day, uh, Sergeant Howie goes to visit. Um, the school, and he talks with the school teacher, who's played by um, Diane Salento, and he talks a little bit with the the girls, the the um, the students as well, um, because he wants to know was Rowan Morrison a schoolmate of theirs, and where is she now, and whose desk does the empty desk belong to, and um, they all deny knowing her, and then he checks the school register and he sees Rowan's name in it. So, because you're all fucking liars. <laughs> Fuck this shit. Tell me what's going on. 
Miss Rose, and I want to be the line leader. (laughs) I want the fucking hall pass for like the next week. (laughs) And then so Miss Rose tells Sergeant Howie that Rowan is to the people of Summer Isle, neither alive nor dead. She just no longer is. And it might be what Sergeant Howie considers dead, but that's not the terms that they think in mm-hmm. on Isle. And so Sergeant Howie is very upset to hear this and to at, at what he's been seeing uh, that day. He's um, heard the children, or he sees, he sees, I love this, he sees the children uh, dancing around the maypole. And he's like, oh, that's that's nice, the maypole. That's a pretty mm-hmm. standard English tradition. And then he walks into the classroom and she's like, the maypole is symbolic of the phallus. And he's like, oh my God. Yeah, no, he's, she straight up says, she's like, it represents the male penis. <laughs> like she says it in a weird accent. I don't know if you even know what it is, but. Well, <laughs> everybody has a weird actor- accent in this because like no one is actually Scottish. Yeah. <laughs> I think Salento's Australian. Yeah. <laughs> Anywho. Anyway. Um, He, like, threatens to, like, um, report her or something, too. And I was like, to whom? And for (laughs) what? (laughs) Who exactly are you going to talk about? The penis police? The penis police? Yes, but he's very upset. He doesn't think that children should be learning these kinds of things. Um, And he feels uh, offended because of his deep uh, Christianity. So then Sergeant Howie uh, tracks down Rowan's grave. Oh, yeah, and, this bit. Yes. And they dig up the grave, and he opens the casket. And what does he find, Miss Mel? So he... So first of all, there's, like, a crazy, um, like, cemetery man. Like, <laughs> it's a creepy laugh. Yeah, like he, you know, it's I'm like, strange. If and if anybody was gonna blow like the the deep conspiracy that the whole island is in on, it would probably be Cemetery Man. Cemetery Man. So when he goes to open it, he finds like is it is it a rabbit? Yeah. Yeah, it's a rabbit. Okay, because I was like confusing that with the jackal from the omen for a second. I was like, it's an animal for sure. Um, <laughs> but he finds like he pulls he he digs the grave up and he finds a rabbit and the cemetery man just laughs. He finds it the most hysterical thing in the whole entire it's world. Funniest thing that's ever happened. And he's like, what the hell is this? Like, what is? And like then like Mr. Kroger says like they start to kind of justify this stuff because they're like, oh like we don't you know think in those terms and she becomes energy and the plants and the stuff. Right. So and he's like, fuck you guys because you know as we mentioned before he is a very devout um religious christian person so he's like he did like he can't pot like to him this is like heathen activity like what is this especially because you know it's a kid for sure right so when he what no i was just kidding (laughs) and then like and then like he i feel like he gets like extra insulted because when he's talking to rowan's sister and he's like, where is Rowan? And she's like, oh, she's out in the field. She loves to run around. And he's like, oh, really? And she's like, yes, Rowan's a rabbit. You know, he's, Rowan's a hare. And then he digs up the grave and, and he finds the hare. Yeah. Like, what the fuck? Um, yeah, like, so he, he's like, fuck this shit. And he decides he's going to go straight to Lord Summer Isle. Like, he's, 
He's going to go deal with this. He's over it. He's over it. Um, lord Summerisle lives in, you know, a place you would imagine a lord to live. But there's also a massive greenhouse. Yeah. Because it's quite the, the arborist and the botanist and all this stuff. But basically, because um, I guess he had to go there technically to get permission to dig up the grave or he goes after. Oh, you're right. I think yeah, I guess he, go, he goes before. He goes before to say. Sorry, guys. Yeah. So he goes to Lord Summerisle to get permission to dig up the grave. Um, but what we learn is that Lord Summerisle is the grandfather of the original founder of Summerisle. Shocker, I know. Um, and basically he came there to start to like plant trees and weird fruit um, that would do well in like just kind right. of like the, the climate and stuff. Um and yeah. he started, like, experimenting with the harvest and, like, basically decided to start worshipping the earth, basically, to bring about, like, a better sort of harvest and stuff. Which is, you know, basically what their ancestors did. Like, he does say, he's like, they started worshipping the gods of their ancestors to try and, like, encourage um, a good harvest. And they passed it down to their kids. And, like, it's worked since then. Like, they've had really good harvest. They grow plants that even might not necessarily grow in Scotland yeah. um, by like performing these like pagan rituals and worshiping the um, gods of their ancestors and just sort of like encouraging all this energy on the island. And, you know, he kind of like is the most rational person to explain it to how to Sergeant Howie um, and like how he's still not like super into it. He's like, you know, like, what you're doing is, like, heathen activity and, like, all this other crap. Um, like, he's just not, he's very stubborn about this. And, like, to be fair, it's like, you can see it. These people seem kind of, like, cagey and a little bit, you know, um, very sort of uh, pushy to outsiders and that sort of thing. So you kind of get it a little bit. But he's, you know, he's just, he's very, he's not, he's sticking his feet in the ground. And Lord Summer, I was like, well, I can't help you. So I don't, I don't know. Um, <clears throat> but, yes, then he finds the hair. In the um, in the casket, the grave tender man laughs about it, um, and it's all and it's it's frustrating. It's all the whole thing is just very frustrating to him. Um, but he starts to realize as he's doing research into this stuff, and he finds the missing harvest, the photograph from the the inn wall that was missing, mm. is that he starts to suspect that in accordance with things that. Um, you know, their ancestors would do that perhaps when times were tough, they would turn to some form of sacrifice. Right. Yeah. And he starts to suspect that Rowan has been sacrificed. That Rowan has been sacrificed. Because in the picture he finds of her, there is a, um, you know, in the picture of all the other May Queens, they're surrounded by um, huge, bountiful harvests from that autumn, you know, the results of their spring ritual. But in Rowan's picture, there's, there's, there's nothing. Or, you know, in the most recent picture, there's nothing really there. You know, it was a bad harvest, a bad crop. Yeah. Um, so he's like, ah, and, um, he's doing his research at the library. Um, yes. Um, in the old days, animals were sacrificed when times were good and human beings were sacrificed when times were bad. So he's freaking out. Um, he's convinced that Rowan is alive somewhere, has been chosen for the sacrifice, and 
because of some things that other uh, people told him, Lord Summerisle, you know, well, then you, you probably don't want to be here for the May Day celebration tomorrow. And he's like, fuck that. I'm going to go. Obviously, I'm going to be. I'm going to I'm going to get some people and we're going to find this girl and we're going to shut shit down. Now, he tries to leave, but the plane no longer works. Shocker. Yeah. Um, and so he decides that he's going to just do it on his own then. And as the festivities begin for May Day, he, he starts creeping and tracking people down. You know, everybody's dressed up in their costumes. Everyone's wearing their incredibly creepy animal masks. Same. It's like the purge, but like in Scotland in the seventies. Yeah. <laughs> that's where it's, that's where it really started. <laughs> Not on Staten Island. Oh, I haven't watched this. I haven't watched the Purge TV series yet. That's pretty good. Oh, I'll get around to it. There's so much content this October. There's so much content. It's really hard competing intentions. Um, so yeah, we've got um, we've got the horseman who's galloping around, and it's all very sort of like sensual and phallic. Like the head of the horse is like right at crotch level. And Same. There's all sorts of neighing, and Lord Summerisle becomes the man-woman temptress figure, and then Mr. McGregor is supposed to be the third figure, uh, the fool or Punch from Punch and Judy, big British characters, Same. puppet characters, and what have you. Um, but Howie knocks him out, ties him up to the bed, which Same. <laughs> And he puts on the punch costume in order to infiltrate the parade so he can be amongst the villagers because, you know, they're kind of traversing through the village and the countryside mm -hmm. to get to uh, the bottom of the cliffs where he knows that the, the whatever this ritual is, is, is going to uh, finish or and commence. That's where he, you know, that's where the, this sacrifice is going to be. And <clears throat> when he gets down there you know they're they're doing all sorts of dancing and this and they do the thing with the six swords oh yeah the game uh yeah, chop chop yeah chop, chop um which is really suspenseful yeah the game is basically six people hold swords and everyone goes in a line and takes a turn standing between the six swords and then finds out if they're going to get their head chopped off or not it's basically mm -hmm. kind of like Russian roulette or like, you know, like a game of chicken or something like that. It's a bit more intense than Uno. Yes. No. Um, and obviously, Howie is the person who's picked to be chopped, but they don't actually cut off heads. It's like a joke. It's a um, joke. But you don't know that at first. No. It's freaky. It's yeah. very, yeah. And he sees someone dressed up as a, as a hare, like a March hare sort of character. And he thinks that that's Rowan. And so it's all very spinny and crazy. And um, eventually he, he finds Rowan and, you know, he cuts her free. And he's like, this is what's going on. I'm here to save you. And she's like, oh, okay, save me. Um, here, let's, let's go this way. And she takes him into a cave. And when they exit the cave... They're intercepted by the, the rest of the islanders, whom Rowan then happily rejoins. Whoops. Because not only has the entire village been in on a conspiracy, but Rowan has 
as well. And she is, is not the intended sacrifice. Who is the intended sacrifice, Miss Mel? So here's the long story. <laughs> um, so yes, Howie was right. The crops were failing. Um, there was a problem, so they had to do a sacrifice. But it wasn't the May Queen or a kid. They specifically had to get a... Their, basically, it was like their gods required a man who came... An outsider who came of his own free will mm-hmm. with the power of a king who was a virgin and a fool, like an idiot. Um, yep. Or somebody easily tricked, which Howie is all these things. Um, you know, he came here of his own free will. He came here with the law. He is a, talks about being a virgin a lot, and he, you know, got duped. So he yep. fits the bill. It's ha- this is happening. And it's interesting because this whole scene is really long. Like, Lord Summerisle takes a long time to explain this to him. And Howie, like, does a lot of back and forth. And it's, like, it basically just comes out of, like, no, this is this is happening. This is going to happen. This is happening. And what I love, like, what he, because he points out kind of, like, we gave you plenty of chances to leave, mm-hmm. basically. Or to we uh, didn't to send you a We didn't send you a boat. <laughs> yeah, to disqualify yourself, basically. Right. With the boat. And if he had, if he had slept with Willow, mm-hmm. you know, she comes to him twice. As in an in an effort, um, you are, and it didn't even have to be Willow. There are people. There's people outside yeah. in the middle of this island, all over the island. Yeah, that was like one of the montage scenes of his disgustedness was seeing people frolicking and fornicating in the fields. Right. Yeah, and pe- the, you know everybody telling him like they they didn't know what he was talking about at first. Like Mrs. Morrison tells him it's best to probably just leave things that you don't understand. Yeah, no, they, like, didn't want to do this. That's the interesting part is, like, you get the idea, like, it's they curious. gave him many chances to, to you know, make it um, a moot point, and he just wasn't taking them. So to them, they're like, you know, they're like, we're obligated to do this because, you know, like, this is, this is, it's, it, it, it's fate, you know, this is what happened, like, um, you know, and this is what we need. And then next year the crops will be good. And, um, how he goes back, he's saying they will not be good. Like, it's literally just, you know, it's like your crops are failing. Um, this won't solve it. Like, and he tries to, it's interesting because he goes this weird back and forth where he tries to reason with them. And then he said, he's not scared to die because he knows he's going to go to heaven. But then when it becomes real, he like gets freaked out and tries to reason with them again and tries to get away. And it's this, like, crazy back and forth of emotions, and Lord Summer Isle is just like, well, you know, I don't know, I don't know what to, this is, this is happening. Um, And basically, they dress him in um, this, like, white gown, and anoint him in various ways, and they carry him to the aforementioned Wicker Man. Which comes out of nowhere. You're like, did I see that? Was that here? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And it's giant. It's this giant wicker man statue. Yeah. And he's forced inside, and there's all sorts of animals in there with him. Oh, I feel more bad for the animals than I do for him. In cages, yeah. And everybody starts dancing around and singing um, in, in like, Middle English. It's uh, the actual, this one I know is an actual folk song. It's Summer is Ecumenin. It's an actual like medieval English folk song that they're singing. I can vouch for this one. <laughs> no, I believe I believe it. It sounds real. But uh, the rest, I don't know. Maybe. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Yeah. And so, 
how he's in the Wicker Man and he's terrified and he's screaming and he so are the calling sheep. out to God and he's praying and then the Wicker statue is set ablaze. Yeah. And um the islanders continue to revel and Howie continues to scream and pray and then he the sacrifice is complete and Howie is Sergeant Howie is burned alive. Burned to death, and then, as the wicker man collapses in fire and ash and smoke, um, we see this amazing, gorgeous shot of the setting sun out over the sea, and the movie ends. It's great. Yeah, it is. <laughs> yeah, it is. Ah, <gasps> uh, so the fucking wicker man. The fucking man. wicker man. So now that we've walked through the plot. Yes. Let's also, I'm now thing. realizing there was already a stage production of this, but they couldn't do what? it nearly as well as we did. Is what I'm going to say. Insane. Apparently there was already a stage. Somebody already had the idea. Someone did it first. I between, bet it was Between the 70s and now, somebody else thought the same thing we did. How dare. How um, dare. But yes, as Mr. Kruger said, like the Wicker Man initially like didn't... Um, people weren't super into it. It was kind of weird, and that was partly because people were seeing weird cuts of it based on like different censorship laws. Um, but yeah, I mean like it's, it started to become like a big sort of like cult film. People were passing it around and then you have like um, even bands started doing like songs based on the Wicker Man, like Iron Maiden literally has a song called the Wicker Man. Yeah. And this is what it comes well, from. And then, <laughs> this is where it comes from, yeah. And then even, not even just songs inspired by it, but, like, there's, like, a shit ton of, like, all those, like, 90s sort of, like, Lilith Fair type yeah. They do covers of, like, um, Willow's Creepy Dance song. And yeah, it was some kind of, the, of like, the Maypole like, song. Like, a lot of, like... It was similar to Twin Peaks in the way that it had an effect on music. Because Twin Peaks was kind of famously one of the things that helped bring about, like, the Witch House... Um, music uh, trend that kind of came out about in the late like 2010s-ish well 2000s yeah. into the 2010s um, so it was like the Wicker Man was a big thing for like metal groups and stuff and they would do these like covers or make their own music based on it and Christopher Lee himself has recorded I think several metal albums yeah yeah, yeah but you didn't know that about Christopher Lee guys he's a <laughs> yeah. he's a metal guy <laughs> He's insane. Yeah, he he really was. Um and he also he believed so much in this movie in this movie. Um the one of the popular stories surrounding the production is that he forfeited a salary um to, in order to, uh so that the there could be more of um more on the production side for this movie. The Wickerman only it only had a fifty thousand dollar budget. That's it. I have that's, a fifty thousand dollar budget. That's not a lot of money <laughs> when it comes to movie making. No. Um, and so yeah, the rumor is that he wasn't paid for it. Um, but when uh, the movie wasn't doing so well, um, he went on a huge publicity tour that was aimed at drive-in drive-in movie theaters. Mm -hmm. That were like pairing it as like the second feature, the one that people would leave for. And he would go and do like talks and signings and, and you know, Q&As and get people to stick around and watch the movie because he 
believed in it and he wanted people to see it. Which is so fascinating considering Christopher Lee's like illustrious film history that this was the thing that he like super yeah. fixated on. Mm-hmm. Which tells you a lot about it. Like it's just so like it's very like visceral. It's got such a great aura to it. Like it's and it's like weirdly like fun in a way too with all their like little folksy yeah. shit like it's a really it's dance naked in the leaves because it's like it's half sort of like mainstream i don't even want to say mainstream it's half horror film but it's also like half art film yeah and makes for this sort of wonderful cocktail of weirdness yeah because it is a strange film because it's like okay yes it's a mystery film it's a little bit of a horror film it relies heavily on music like it's a little bit kind of still going off of this sort of psychedelic trend of the 60s and you know like films like the like jesus christ superstar and and stuff like that like it's just such a cocktail of different things and then you have like the interesting thing that Hardy tries to do, like, you know, at the very beginning, they come up with like the little title card and it's like, we'd like to thank Lord Summer Isle mm-hmm. and the people of, you know, like Summer Isle is not a real place. None of these people are real. Yeah. Yeah. None of these people are actually real. But to, to put that in there creates a certain frame of mind for the viewer, I think, that like... It's like, how, how do we take that and, and then use it as a lens for everything that we see that happens well, after it, you know? Because the idea is that this, this was real. Like, this was our history at a certain point. I mean, obviously, well, yeah. every, every culture, I feel like, had, had paganism to a certain point. So, I, I, you know, we can say that, yes, like, this is, like, everyone's history, whether you're, you know, Scottish or what have you. Like, we all had this sort of ritualistic, more sort of, like, you know, earthbound um religious histories across the world so it's almost like a huge cultural like pull in it's like oh yeah we'd like to thank lord summer island and it's like reminder that this is this could be real like it could be real like it who knows um it was at one point yeah i love that as an interpretation of that like i kind of as a thank you to where we came from yeah and because they do make the point in the movie that they like they refer to it as like yes we started worshiping the gods of our ancestors because basically we weren't you know we had nowhere else to turn so you know it was like this just this idea that was like yes this is where you know all this comes from and i think it's one of the like many like subtextual layers that people have pulled from this film is obviously the battle between sort of um monotheism and the rise of christianity and then these various like pagan tribal even just societies not even Mm -hmm. like religion just the society that built itself around like worshiping the earth and like just sort of the the ideological battle between them because it's interesting because like you don't really like anybody in this film like howie's not very likable you know everyone on summer isle is very cagey and obviously nefarious like Everyone, you know, but they all have their, like, good and their bad parts. But, yeah. But what's interesting, though, is that they're super polite. Yeah. They try. You know? They did and their best. Fun- and their society is a completely functioning one. It's not like, you know, yeah. no one's poor or starving or mistreated or, they're or violent. They're all very much I mean, fairly equals with the exception of, They're shifty of, like, because they're trying to make something happen and yeah. stuff or whatever. And But they're not terrible people. 
No. And that's the thing, right? Is like, there's nothing objectively bad about them. Like everything about them that is, we, that gets, you know, like coded as bad is because Howie's pointing out that it's against his religion. Right. But they never make, you know, accusations in the reverse. Like they never say like, oh, like, you know, like your religion is terrible to us. They're like, yeah, like it's what you are. Like we tried to get you to sleep with Willow and you wouldn't, but that's fine. Um, See, they had all these naked ladies running around. I feel like they should have tried some naked men. Yeah, we could have tried naked everybody. I mean, if if, if you're that repressed, like Sergeant Harry, it's usually because something else is going on. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, they were like a couple. Di- they were like, all right, if the women don't work, we're gonna switch to. And they were like, oh shit, we're out of time. Okay, we're out of time. It's May Day. <laughs> we'll, we'll try next year if we have to next do this year. again. <laughs> yeah, no, that's definitely true and I love sort of um the interesting moment not only of like the battle like like sort of this like traditional battle we might think of between monotheism and and Christianity but even just like ideas circling around fertility yeah right like because obviously fertility and the the idea of increasing fertility is a big theme throughout yeah wicker man when he sees the lady with the egg (laughs) cemetery (laughs) you know that's an actual pagan fertility ritual it's a nice juxtaposition um that's like a real thing and that is another thing too is everything in this is a fairly like you can trace it back to various i mean i can't say for certain they were all celtic um traditions but they were all various european pagan traditions like the idea of the maypole is like in a lot of places the burning of a wicker man comes from like various other places in Europe like you know all this stuff is you know it's not it's not like your normal fare of people talking about pagans and druids in the same breath as talking about satanic sacrifice and stuff like it is very like conscientious of like no there's a history to this Mm -hmm. and you know whether or not you believe in the spirituality of it or you know if you sacrifice something you might have a good harvest like there is a history here and we can at least get the facts right about what the history is mm-hmm. so and that's always something that 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 frustrated me um is that and i and i thought about it actually because i watched again this weekend killer legends on netflix awesome and they do bring up at one point um in one of the 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 legends i think it's the one about the candy the, the poison candy. Um, mm. They talk about how, like, somewhere in town there was supposedly a place where druids went for satanic sacrifice. And I was like, you're just... Like, that's literally the history of this, is that, you know, when Christianity was on the rise, it wanted to vilify pagan religions. So we right. now have this cultural association of paganism with, you know, Satanism or devil worship or demonic worship or something evil. Um, yeah, and it and it frustrates me when people get simplistic about it because there is you know you, you know watch the Wicker Man there is so much here like the maypole represents the penis like you know like there's there's a lot more to it and I think the Wicker Man is one of the best films that oh, looks so looks at paganism and horror and like does it analytically and says like no like let's 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 unpack this shit yeah and going off of that. Um... You know, and just not just not just the maypole, but there are continuing pagan influences in all of our um, cultural Christian mainstays. Um, I'm thinking, of course, of the big ones: Christmas and Easter, Yule, and uh, the equinox. Yeah, and the ideas of bringing pine boughs into a home, and um, 
And rabbits, you know, why the Easter Bunny? Well, because rabbits, which is a theme in the Wicker movie, are were traditionally regarded in pagan symbology as meaning rebirth, fertility, resurrection. Mm-hmm. You know that there's all kinds of they 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 screwed like rabbits. Like where do you think that comes from? Yeah, they screwed like rabbits. Yeah, um, but you know, just I I think of you know everybody's like we're so proud of our like steadfast American traditions, and I was like, well, they're not actually. I mean, they've evolved. So one of my favorite Certain aspects of them are American, but a lot of them are pagan and here's how and why one of my favorite combinations of paganism and christianity is the story of the jack-o'-lantern which mr craggers knew i didn't learn it in full until i went to salem because obviously if i'm going to learn this it's going to be in fucking salem what a great place though (laughs) um and it was actually it was a a woman who identified as like a practicing witch who was leading this tour but she was telling us about the story of jack of the lanterns (laughs) jack Basically, Jack was walking one day and he saw an apple in a tree and he was like, that, that's the one we're going to, that's the apple for me. He couldn't reach it though. Cause I guess he was short as fuck. And the devil just happens to be there and is like, I'm going to. Isn't he always? Yeah. He's always there in a clutch. He's situation. always near apples. He's like, yeah. Well, Offering so that's apples. right. So that's the thing, right? So he's there, the devil's there and he's like, I'll hook you up. Like, I'll help you get that apple since you're a short ass man. And he's like, sick, this is great. And the devil's like, I'm just going to need you to like repay me. And he's like, cool, worth it. I want that apple. Looks good. Uh, The devil helps lift Jack up. He gets the apple. And once he gets the apple, he takes off before the devil can collect on, you know, his his reward. And the devil's obviously mad about this because he's like, ah, foiled again. And, you know, meanwhile, God is like, well, what the fuck was that? Like, he's not happy either. So Jack dies and he is denied both heaven and hell, right? Because they're like, you pissed us both off. And Jack forever roams the land and and the Irish people who then came to America brought it to America light lanterns made out of turnips. Traditionally, now we make them out of pumpkins to keep Jack away. Um, Now, this is a combination of a couple different things. Most notably, it's the book of Genesis, right? Like, man wants fruit, devil helps him, man is exiled because of this. Because of Genesis. (laughs) But the lanterns are similar to the Will of the Wisps in Scottish Mm -hmm. and Irish folklore. These lights that you find that pop up to guide your way or lead you to misfortune in the woods of, of Ireland and the Highlands. And it's like, I love picking apart this shit where it's like... Look at this weird folklore where you can pick apart, like, you know, this ancient stuff of, like, you know, the woods and the wilderness. And then you've got the, like, you know, the the, the monotheistic um, sort of influences and stuff. And it's, like, even when he's burning in the Wicker Man, it's made to read, like, like a Christ scene. Like, he's being sacrificed the way Christ was. Yeah. And he's calling out to his God the way that the... the, the you know christ does in the in the the text and stuff like i love that it like pulls that in so well and i love that moment where kind of lord summerisle is sort of telling him like well we're both going to get what we want like you're you're you know you'll have the greatest christian honor there is and that's to become a martyr yeah you can sit at the right hand of your god in heaven and we you and you will be and then to us you'll be you know venerated for all time as the sacrifice that restored our harvest and our crops yeah i love when he says that to him this this juxtaposition of these two worlds 
um, through the one act of the burning of the Wicker Man with Howie inside. Yeah, no, this movie is great, guys. (laughs) If you didn't get that already from our our (laughs) spiel, it's great. And there's a lot. And it would never get made today. No, at least not nearly in the way it was made now. Which is why... A terrible remake, which... The complete Cage one. Everything. Takes place in Seattle. It's like, what? Um, yeah, and it's like, I, I, and that's why I have somewhat of hope with this sort of, um, this rise of art house horror, right? Mm-hmm. Because it's like, okay, we're starting to get back to like the experimental and the layers that we had with horror. And we're not just trying to remake the Blair Witch Project 15 times. And, you know, we're getting there. But like the Wicker Man is like... It's it's got it's the whole package. It's a mystery. It's a horror. There's music. There's a commentary on religion. There's a commentary on like culturally specific morals versus somebody else's culturally specific morals. Like it's yeah. history. Like it's there's so much about that. Like anyone can get anything out of the Wicker Man. I feel like. Oh, there's so much to read into it. So much awesome, like, symbolism and great shots and and things that like, if you're watching it. The first time you're like, what the fuck was the point of that? And then you, you watch it a second time, you watch it a third time, and you're like, oh, you know, like, yeah. like it's, I don't, like, I remember the first time I watched it, like, um, the thing with the beetle yeah, in the, in the desk, I was like, that's just stupid. Like, what a creepy little kid. Like, yeah. and, and then, like, okay, now that I'm a more mature viewer, I'm like, okay, he's, he's the beetle, right? He's the yeah. beetle on the string going round and round you know yeah he's not yeah and that's what he's I, trapped i love is that like it's like when you read a book and you're like no i was too young i'm gonna try again and you start to pick stuff up like this is one of those movies where it's perfect where it's like you watched it once you didn't pick or like the, like i feel like i do this with the shining a lot where every mm, time i watch yeah, that's it, another one i pick something else up where it was like no like i've matured since the last time i've seen it so i'm gonna pick up something new um, yeah, I think I'm I did see something with, I didn't see before. Yeah, with Twin Peaks, I even did that. Like, where it's like, okay, I get something that I didn't get before. And it's like, it seems frivolous, right? Because at first viewing, you kind of, like, glance off of it or, like, think, well, that was just a weird choice and, like, go on. But it's like you start to realize that there was, you know, an underlining sort of tension that you didn't realize you had because, like, part of you understood you know, he was the beetle. Like, oh, the hair yeah. represents this and like all this other stuff. So mm-hmm. I just, the Wicker Man's great, guys. Yeah. It's and like, it's not to. like another one. I'm thinking of, it's not, he doesn't just happen to end up in, in the punch costume, right? Punch is a fool. Punch is a fool, yeah. Punch he's is a famous, fool. he's and, a famous and, British fool. He's the he's puppet guy. Fool. And, and yeah, and Howie has been the the fool if we think of the fool in tarot yeah the common image is the fool looking at the sky while walking off a cliff right yeah. he's not looking where he's supposed to be looking yeah. how he's doing that the whole time he's he has everything he needs to figure out what's going on they're presenting him with opportunities to get out and he refuses to see it he refuses to take yeah. that path he because did, he's yeah. blinded by something else because he's looking up at the sky which you can read into that several different things based on Howie's character. Yeah. And I'm like, that's brilliant. Yeah. No, it's so good. And I love anything that uses, and Twin Peaks does it too a little bit, using tarot imagery and just, um, and what's his face? Um, Alejandro, what's his nuts, who was supposed to do the Dune movie? Oh, Inari 2? Yeah. Um, 
Oh, did, our, no, not him. Yeah, Jodorowsky did his his film about the fool. Like it was meant to be the fool's journey yeah. and stuff. Um, before he did his never to be made, but sounds like it would have been epic version of Dune. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, there's just so much. Have you read the novelization? I have not, but my, um, my, wait, was it my cousin? I think my cousin, I'm pretty sure my cousin once had a copy of Ritual, which Mm. is what this was based on. Yeah. Um, and I always like meant to like get that from him one day. Yeah. Cause there is a novelization of the movie that I know expands a little bit upon, but that being said, like some of the mythology and it's like a part of me is like, I don't know if I want you to do that. Cause I like the sort of vaporous sort of non-specific paganism that it is. Right. And what's interesting about that, now that you bring that up, like it is vaporous, right. And it is like just sort of, it's whatever summer Isle specific version of paganism is. Yeah. But whatever that is, is, like, consistent. Yeah, yeah. Like, it's tosses not, it yeah. for. Yeah, like, and, you understand the certain, there are certain rules. Yeah, there are certain rules, and, like, um, like when Mrs. Morrison does the thing with the frog. Yeah. Well, like, that feels natural to us, even though no one has, like, sat us down and been like, okay, this is how it works. Yeah. We're like, oh, no, okay, I, I get that, that they get that, and, and the rabbit, and the chocolate. Wickerman stuff like that I guess there are certain things and this is me speaking to European tradition because obviously there's paganism all over the world but I've only ever been really exposed to European paganism like but there are certain things that are like kind of uniform across yeah like the idea of fertility stretches across all forms of paganism and it's obvious why because obviously you want to you know not be dead and continue your your species and stuff, right? So, like, the idea of fertility in certain animals representing fertility and certain just images, period, representing fertility and various different things. It's like, okay, I get this because it's ingrained in my sort of, like, just cultural psyche because, like, that's, yeah, of course. Like, yeah, um, yeah right. people talk about rabbits, you know, like, constantly fucking and having babies and stuff. Like, I get and that. And now we, and we're like, ha-ha, yeah. Yeah, like, and I don't need to know if it came from pagans and Celtic traditions or, like, in, like, Frankish traditions or German traditions like it doesn't matter to me because I know it's a common thing across cultures because people obviously mm-hmm. notice the same shit and trees being important in paganism trees. from like the far north to southern Europe like is a huge thing and like you mentioned the rowan tree and like symbolism behind trees is very big mm-hmm. and it shows up even Willow in Harry tree. Potter yeah like Harry Potter even utilizes it like yeah. the different types of woods your wand comes from is important is important, yeah. Um, tree is big, and, like, and everybody, everybody on Summer Isle is named after some sort of flower or plant or tree. Yeah, um, it's which like is um, a nice touch. I love in Hellboy, every single one of the agents of the BPD is named after something found in the earth. Like that was yeah. their naming convention. So you got like Agent Stone. You know, like, and, like, they, they come up with really clever stuff. They're, like, Agent Root or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's just fun. Natural things. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of the trees, though, um, what I always think is hilarious and awesome about this movie. Um, so it takes place at the end of April and on May 1st, May mm-hmm. Day. Yeah. Right? Yeah. 
you know, it's their spring ritual so that their autumn harvest is good. That's how we're justifying this as our, for our harvest horror. Yes, because it does technically. Because <laughs> yeah. well, we're going to do they, Children of the Corn, and that technically takes place in like June as well. But yeah, yeah that's also true. <laughs> I think the only one that actually takes place in the harvest time is Dark Secret of Harvest Home. And that's <laughs> when we'll, why we'll end with that one. Yeah. Um, but they filmed Wicker Man in November. And so. Um, it was fucking freezing for them when they filmed <laughs> and they like, like, um, the actors had to keep ice in their mouth between takes so, so that, that their breath, breath wouldn't yeah. fog on camera and the trees, um, like, you know, the scene where he's riding in the carriage to Lord Summer Isles yeah. house and he passes all the apple trees. Yeah, Cause he goes up that long driveway. Yeah. All of those had to be like pasted and glued on to branches and they only had so many of them. So when they were filming it and he's like going down. They had to keep moving the animals. They had to keep moving the trees. Like PAs would grab a tree and like run behind the camera and move it so that it could be in the next shot. I love filmmaking from like the back of the camera. It's like in <laughs> Halloween when they had to get a, like, a, like a couple thousand pounds of leaves because they filmed it in like yes. July. They filmed it in July. Yeah. <laughs> so they had angry. to get a, a bunch of like they had to get like something like crazy like 5,000 pounds of of dead leaves to throw on the grass so it looked like it was fall. It looked like fall. Yeah. yeah, very similar situation here. Yeah, I just was like, oh my god, that's hysterical. And um and you know, all the, and like the poor extras who are like, you know, literally dancing around naked. Oh um, no. <laughs> we're like freezing, I guess. And so somebody brought Christopher Lee uh, a coat and he was like, no, 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 I don't get a coat unless they get coats. He's like, put the, give the naked people coats. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I just, I just think it's hysterical that it was, that it was filmed in November. Um, but props to them. Cause you can't tell. Yeah, no, you would not be able to tell. I mean, you can like, you get the air that it might be kind of chilly cause it's like Scotland and it's windy and it's Moorish. But yeah. No, it feels like summer. To Scotland. Being... Yeah, I was like, yeah, Scotland's kind of windy. It's whatever. But Gray no, it, it, they, they did a very good job hiding that they filmed this basically almost in winter. In overcast or whatever. Well, and then the, the final scene where the Wicker Man collapses. Yeah, and then and you the, see the sun. And you see the sunset. Apparently that was um, the first time in six weeks that the sun had come out. And they just happened Nature to get... Nature was blessing them. They actually appeased the sun god. Yeah, and um, this yeah, because this was like way before they only had enough money to build one giant wicker man. Yeah, <laughs> and it was a perfect shot. Like how? Like what do you? Come on, guys! Like yeah, obviously, no. there's something greater at work. Here. <laughs> That's kind of cool. Uh, and I love that they did. You see? Have you seen the thing? How they actually they kept the wicker man hidden from Edward Woodward. Me. Yeah, that doesn't surprise me. So like when he saw it, he kind of had the big reaction. Yes. Because he so sees what, it and he keeps going, oh, God, oh, my oh, God. Yeah. So that was, like, apparently his, like, genuine reaction was, was that was real when he, because he, that's when he, he did like, see it oh, for the first Jesus time. Jesus Christ. Um, <laughs> where have they been? Pipe, where, where was that yesterday? He said he was never more terrified than when he was doing his scenes inside the Wicker Man. Yeah. You know, I can see that for sure. He could hear it creaking and he said he had... You know, he kept going back to this idea, like, what if, what if it's an actual sacrifice? What if this whole <laughs> thing has been a giant fucking, like... Yeah. And apparently the goat above him kept pissing on him. That would also scare me, too. Um, yes. That would be a great 
horror film plot is that you're filming something like The Wicker Man and it turns out to be a real sacrifice. And it turns out to be real, right? Oh, Edward Wood well, is, is onto something there. <laughs> um, but no, I get it. Like that scene is, is and The Wicker Man itself is terrifying. No, like that, that's the thing, right? Like they put all that effort and all that budget into that. It's like you can't, You a little part of you thinks like, like, oh, like that's like way more real than I thought it was going to be. Like... It feels very primal. Yeah. Well, and that's the point, right? Yeah. It's, yeah. It's, it's a burning, it's the burning wicker man. It's like, this is the shit we used to do. Like, we didn't know what else to do. We had to burn shit to see what happened. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> to appease yeah. the gods. Um, damn, no, but I love, and I wish there was more, because I remember somebody on like the, the horror lit subreddit a couple weeks ago was asking about more folkloric horror books and like wanting to read things that had more to do that were fiction stories not non-fiction about like more very well researched like actual folkloric stuff not like oh i heard some fucking kids were sacrificing goats down in the gully like and it was like off the top of my head i couldn't really think of too many like i think i might have recommended the the graphic novel you got me of trick-or-treat because it goes through halloween in different time periods and it goes through different things but it's like something like this like the wicker man is like probably the best example of someone taking pagan horror and like definitely doing it so well definitely there's a good movie too it's also it's an irish movie with um aiden gillian oh little finger yeah it's called wake wood he's so fucking creepy <laughs> yeah he's, yeah um that that's pretty good and it gets into some pagan celtic folklore um there's the hallow oh yeah i've seen that um but like yeah you're you're right though like done and done well or the best at least is the wicker man the wicker man the original wicker man the original wicker man yeah the 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 sequel does some weird shit where they turn it into a female only colony of people in like fucking washington state and like Nicolas Cage, it's his daughter that's missing. Like, it's very bizarre. And he's not, like, crazy devout either. No. He's not addicted to pills. Yeah, no, it's it's stupid and weird. Which is is dumb because, like, so much of of Howie and what makes him as a character is, one, the religiosity, and two, how he goes, like, full-on Javert. His, right like, that's rigidity. it though that's what it feels like it's javert he is scottish javert <laughs> yeah just like going ham which because... is why this will work as a musical this is why it will work as a musical because we've seen it before <laughs> i've seen this you've seen it before and no but yeah and like i and christopher lee did like shit on the remake too because i remember yeah they were talking about wanting to get him for like a bit part in the remake and he was like i have no interest in that and he's like why he's like you can't remake something like this like it's perfect it is perfect it's a i could comfortably argue that the wicker man is a perfect movie yeah it could be on our list of perfect or near perfect films Mm-hmm. and there's no, yeah there's no reason to touch it like i've seen some people be like oh i want it to have a proper remake now you know like fuck the nicholas cage one i don't no and like i i thought about this actually when i was watching the fog because a lot of people you know mm. the fog has a remake right and a lot of people look at these old horror films and say that they love them but they want them to have like a modern day remake right like because they just want to not have to go through the work 
of watching film in the 1970s, right? Because it is, like, intellectually, it's work, because you have to put yourself in the mindset of, like, where film was at at that time. And yes, it's different than what we would watch now. Like, Jamie Lee Curtis having her weird screams on camera and the weird close-ups, like, yeah, that doesn't work with what we are now, but it's also, like, you just need to put in the work analytically Right. And like historically to just appreciate this because the fog, I fucking love it. I love the fog. It's an amazing, I also might argue that that great is movie. a pretty close to perfect film for what it yeah. is. I love it a lot, but it's like, I would never want a remake because it would just, it would feel like it was an artifice. Yes. Like so much of these movies is rooted in like the fact that they were low budget. They, they are really fucking <laughs> old. Like they are like weird and kind of make you uncomfortable and the shots are kind of wonky and awkward, but like that's part of it. And that's why I feel like I always take the opportunity on the, like, you know, we do it on the show a lot to like encourage people to find that indie horror, mm, yeah. that low budget horror, because that's where you get like, like the, the babysitter, <laughs> really strong filmmaking. Like because horror has kind of always been strongest in the low budget realm. Yeah, yeah, there are mainstream successes that are also like critically and analytically like solid. Yeah, and like what? I mean, I feel like the only real true example of something that was super indie, super low budget, and managing to make it well in the mainstream was Blair Witch. Yeah. Like, that was done on a budget, yeah, a, lot a of- shoestring budget, and it was ridiculous, but it, it worked out in the mainstream because of the way they marketed it, right? And now people will look at it again, and they'll be like, oh, it's not fucking scary and stuff. And I was like, it was pretty fucking scary at the time. Well, let me tell you that. 1999 was a scary year. <laughs> yes, it was. Yeah, but yeah, you're right, though, because a lot of other low-budget indie stuff takes a while to gather a following and then be regarded as, you know, something interesting. But if you just think about even the last couple years, the things that are, like, kind of regarded as the strongest horror movies from the 2010s. It follows. It follows. uh, The Babadook. Oh, the Babadook. You know, those were, those were indie The Babadook, the the pride icon (laughs) Babadook. Yeah. He is a hero of the LGBT the community. Icon, the Babadook. He is a hero of the LGBT community. I'm really glad that everyone decided, like, no, we're gonna run with this. Like he is totally yeah. like I actually reblogged the other day, somebody made artwork of um the Babadook and he's like doing his Babadook face, but he's holding a pride flag. Because <laughs> <laughs> I was like, Yeah, he's a queer icon. Yeah. The B in LGBTQ. Yeah, it stands for Babadook. Babadook. I love that guy. He's such a hero. But yeah, no, like these weird sort of, and like a girl walks alone at night and like. Good one, yeah. Yeah, like all these sort of like things that, no, you wouldn't, you know, see playing at your local regal cinema. And like, you know, you'd have maybe have to go like an hour out of town to watch it playing somewhere and it's still playing on like some crazy millimeter that doesn't, you know, work anymore in the digital theaters. But it's like, no, like that's part of it is like kind of this, you know, the, the art, like, I don't even want to say artifice. It's just like kind of the aura around it. And like the fact that it's a little bit grainy and it's a little bit imperfect. And yeah, there's now a, there's now a page on the Babadook Wikipedia page about the LGBT community because everyone has embraced it. Awesome. Oh, I love the Babadook. That's amazing. Oh, People man. apparently carry Babadook 
like somebody's got a Babadook sign at, at Pride that's the Babadook. Like it's a very well done artistic rendering, and then it says "Love is Love." I think I think I saw someone at Pride last year with a with a Babadook. Sign. So what I'm hearing, Craig, is we go to Pride in June in Salem, dressed as the Babadook. Dressed as the Babadook. We've got a plan. Got it. We've got it. Be on the lookout for that, listeners. Yeah, head up to Salem. Find us. Yeah. You'll 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 know. You'll know it's are, us because we'll be dressed as the Babadook that's awesome yeah Uh, well is there anything else we we really wanted to say or talk about when it comes to the wicked man it's more stuff that i'm gonna wake up at 3 a.m and be like and another thing but we need to stop because it's gonna go for three hours i know it could easily go it could easily go there's an awesome if you guys want more wicker man in your life there's a really cool documentary called the cult of the wicker man and the whole thing is on youtube so you can watch it for free um, and they, they go into the production and the different cuts and making it and how it became a cult, this and that, and why it's regarded as the Citizen Kane of horror movies. Yeah. Which is a huge mantle to be handed. Yeah. Um, but it's worth it for sure. I think, I think so too. Just again, cause we said it hits everything you could possibly want in a movie, in a horror movie, in a movie though. Like it's so yeah. many different genres and moods at once. Mm-hmm. And even still watching it now, there are a few things more horrifying than him seeing that Wicker Man statue being placed inside it and then having it set on fire. Yeah. And the sound of the screaming goats and like yeah. him crying, Oh Lord, Oh my God. Oh my God. You know, and he just keeps repeating that and there's smoke yeah. and it's, and then it falls That's away and you see the always, setting sun. Ugh. That's freaky. No, it's great. It's so, I love it. And I love that there is no indication there are suggestions of magic and they trick him. They try to trick him with some magic, but there's no indication that, um, the Islanders like are right. Yeah. There's nothing that that says there's nothing that says that this is going to work. You know, that like, it's just literally supernatural at work. And that adds another great layer of terror to it. Yeah, like, and I love that too because it's like it's never supernatural. It's like just people being strange to each other. Yeah, of, which is a, a, like to create such a compelling horror movie without blood and gore and anything overtly supernatural and still have it be deeply unsettling is very impressive. Yeah, because that's it at the end of the day, right? It's people being, you know, fucked up to people. And like, you can even like take something blatantly supernatural and like it's always comes back to somebody playing with a Ouija board or somebody doing something irresponsible like you can take even the most supernatural horror film and like trace it back to the fact that all this comes back to people being shit to people and I love it but they don't think they're they're, they don't think they're being shit (laughs) they're doing what they need to do on summer so I think that will, yes, we will close the books on the Wicker Man now before we, we start spiral. Talking, and, until Pride. <laughs> until, we, until we're in our Babadook Pride costume. Yeah, and then we're like, oh, let's put, let's put pause on the Wicker Man and then. <laughs> and then come back to it. And then come back to it. We will, my dream will have come true and we will have missed Halloween. Oh gosh, that's true. And we can't do that. We can't miss Halloween. We Either the movie 
or the holiday. I'm so, you know what? It's funny too, is because like I knew it was coming out this weekend, but like in various moments, I kind of forgot about it because I was thinking, I was yeah. like, oh yeah, I was like this week, and like I was thinking about the things I have to do next weekend, and I was like, I can go see Halloween. I can go see Halloween. Isn't it? I can awesome see it you, five when you times. Remember? Yeah. yeah, I can do whatever the hell I want because I'm an adult. Stop, damn it. I'll clean, and then I'll vacuum for an hour and then I'll go see Halloween. Jamie Lee Curtis oh go up against God. Michael Myers once again. We might have to, depending on how it goes, we might have to do a special bulletin Ooh, episode. Yeah. It might have to happen. Might have to I'm, happen. I'm willing to be like, Craig, emergency. We need to. Emergency episode. So be on the lookout, you guys. That could happen. That well, could happen. Yeah. Let us know if that's something you would like to see. Let us know what you think about the new Halloween movie and what you think about the Wicker Man mm -hmm. and everything else you're doing for this Halloween season. There's lots of ways you can get in touch with us and let us know that. Miss Mel, would you be kind enough to tell them how? I would love to. So first and foremost, you can email us at splatterchatter669 at gmail.com. A few of you have started emailing us. We are sometimes slow on the uptake there, but we do get around to it. <laughs> um, and we love hearing from you guys and giving you recommendations and hearing your recommendations to us because we're always on the lookout for new things. Um, you can tweet us if you want a more real-time interaction at splatterchatter666. Um, take out all the vowels when you search. It might make it easier. If it doesn't, you can just search splatterchatter666 and we will pop right up. You'll see our icon. You can find us on Tumblr at splatterchatter.tumblr.com. We are there. We are on Instagram at splatterchatter666.nothing because it's Instagram. Um, you can look at Mr. Kreger's blog, see all his archives, see his 31 by 31 challenge this year. And I think you did it last year too, didn't you? 31 by 31 challenge? I did. I didn't finish last year. But you did some of it. You can see some of it from last and, um, year. And I'm hoping to do it this Year, though. Um, but the blog is splatterchatter666.blogspot.com. That is correct. And there will be um, a review um, summarizing most of my thoughts and a couple other additional things about The Wicker Man in conjunction with this episode. I'll be sure to have that up. Um, maybe it's already up. I don't know. I'll put it up around the release of this episode. So you nice. guys can check out that if you want some more Wicker Man stuff in your life. Um, if you want to support us this Halloween season or at any time, you can head on over to Patreon at www.patreon.com slash splatterchatter666. We've got all sorts of information about cool prizes and rewards you could get if you become a monthly donor to the show. And if you're not in a position to financially donate, that's cool too. We will take a rating and a review on iTunes. We are whores for publicity. We should talk. <laughs> no shame. No shame. We're like the, the citizens of Summer Isle. We're just like free yeah, we're sexually we're free, free we're sexually when it, free. To, when it comes to our show <laughs> we're willing to help you out yeah if you're willing to help us out if you're willing to help us out um so barring an emergency episode to talk about halloween this will be um the last time we are in your guys's ears before halloween and the big day so have a safe halloween have a happy one and let us know what you get up to. I'm sure we'll let you know everything that goes down with our Halloween weekend on our next episode for Harvest Horror Part 2, where we'll be talking about Children of the Corn. I'm so excited. I fucking love Children of the Corn. <laughs> Ooh, it's going to be a good one, guys. So until um, we uh, go hang out with Malachi... We are going to remind you guys to keep up the creep, 
And for now, we're going to say adios, au revoir, and eeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeeee